Welcome to the official Guns Up Nation fan page podcast, the premier voice for the fearless fans of Raiderland and proud supporter of Texas Tech University. Let's meet today's hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to another episode on Guns Up Nation. This is our student organization spotlight. My name is John Thomas, and I am with the uh, always complicated but never duplicated Keith Abbott. <laughs> hey, hey uh, there. Keith, what you doing, brother? Man, I am just enjoying life. And I tell you what, we have a, a really special episode today. Uh, you know, there, there's been sports magazines like Sports Illustrated talk about a, uh, uh, you know, that, that our Texas Tech meets judging team is a comparable in the dynasty to Alabama. But I'm going to go ahead and say that Alabama is the Texas Tech meat judging team version of football. How about that? <laughs> How about that? So, <laughs> so we're very, very fortunate tonight to have Dr. Mark Miller, who is uh, the coach of the meat judging team amongst a ton of accolades that you have, Dr. Miller. Thank you so much for joining with us today. We're so glad to have you on. The the, the you know the the Texas Tech Nation knows a lot about the success of the the meat judging team, but I don't know if all of us really clearly understand what the meat judging team is and what they do. And I think it's important that we know what we're celebrating when we're talking about a national championship caliber program. So I'd just like to turn it over to you, Dr. Miller, and just just talk to talk us through what exactly is the Texas Tech meat judging team. Talk us through the history and the like. And, and again, thank you for being on. Oh, it's an honor to be here, Keith and John. I can't tell you how privileged we feel to just be part of this program and be able to talk about how Texas Tech is really a place that is an awesome place to be. Uh, every day, you know, I tell people I don't ever go to work because I just get to go to work with the best students in the whole world, and and it's a real pleasure. And, you know, me judging at Texas Tech, it all began in 1938. And uh, what was great about it is, is we were the we're the worst program in the whole nation. Uh, from 1938 through uh, the 1980s, we lost and were the losingest program in the whole country. <laughs> no kidding. And oh, at wow. that time, they <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, so we right we were last at the national championship contest more than anybody. <laughs> and then uh, the the university made a decision to hire a guy named Gordon Davis, and uh, he's, his name's on the meat lab now. Okay. And uh, he, oh, he wow. uh, coached me and, and instilled, you know, a pursuit of excellence philosophy, and, and uh, we won the first national championship in 1989. He won that with his team. And then he, uh, he decided to go into private business and uh, left Texas Tech, and they hired me to come back and and uh, so I've been here for 29 years since then, and I, I did my undergraduate wow. here and a master's degree here and went to tech, Texas A&M and got a Ph.D. And, and uh, so just really was honored to have the chance to come back and be at, be at Texas Tech. And uh, so, you know, the meat judging started in 1926, so it's almost a 100-year-old event. I know that football is now celebrating its 100 years in the NFL and me judging is going to have its centennial in, in about seven more years or so. Huh. Nice. And uh, the first team that won the international was uh, K-State and uh, University of Nebraska. And those were the powerhouses in Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. And so when I was a student here and judge on the meets team, you know, we all wanted to knock those guys off. And they were the dynasty. And, yeah. and uh, we really didn't like them. <laughs> Not for any good reason. <laughs> they were great people, but they won all the time, and so you always want to beat who wins. You sure, know? of course. 
Amen. And uh, so it was always one of those things about go go and beat A&M and Oklahoma State and all those great programs. And and really, to tell you the truth, now today, we're the most hated group of people. <laughs> and um, it's kind of like uh, Alabama, Nick Saban, everybody roots against him because he had won so much. That's true. And he has a first-class program. And so I think that uh, we're really blessed we have been able to build a uh, – a long tradition uh, that goes all the way back, and we have three principles that really, you know, in our program. And the first one Gordon Davis started us with was pursuit of excellence, and and our kids have to, you know, try to outwork everybody and do the best and dress their best and always try to exude excellence in all they do. And they they fail at that plenty, but we always talk about a percentage, you know, and if we can get to a high enough percentage, then we can be the best. Awesome. And then the second thing is, you know, you can win the national championship, which means that you're excellent, right? Right. But yeah. uh, you can do it the wrong way. And so striving for honor, which is in our, you know, tech song, is pretty important for us. And that's the second thing that we probably implemented. And, uh, you know, making decisions when nobody's around that are the right ones. And we're dealing with 18 to 20-year-olds. And, and so we're always doing that. And we make bad decisions. And we live with the consequences. And... You know, that whole honor uh, platform or that honor pillar is really, really important. And we fail. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you that none of us are perfect, me included. And, and again, it's coming down to knowing how to try to make the right decisions all we can. Right. Because everything we do reflects on the university and reflects on, you know, Texas Tech. And, and uh, we we definitely have some things where we wouldn't be the most proud of those and so we're always striving to honor and trying to reflect you know a program that would be something that red raiders could be proud of but uh, we're certainly not perfect and i know that everybody else can relate to that that we're all going to make a few mistakes and the important thing is is when you do make those mistakes is you learn from them and you don't let them define you and there's always a tomorrow and we can always grow from it and uh, still come back that's the great thing about being a human right yeah, I mean, I think that we have a, a real uh, problem right now because, uh, you know, I, I just think that when you make mistakes, uh, you, you just have to really own up to them and, and uh, really learn from them, but that doesn't define you. And uh, there's a lot of people, I think Thomas Edison failed a thousand times before he got it right, so. Right. I'm glad he, I'm glad he kept trying. Yeah, me too. And... Uh, <laughs> We have some role models we really like to to talk about, and then the last thing is serving unselfishly because you can be the national champion, and you can be honorable and do it all the right way, but all you did it for was for yourself, and and that's pretty meaningless. Yeah, yeah. So those are the three things: is you know serving unselfishly and giving back is a big part of our program, and we really try to ask these kids to sacrifice themselves for the betterment of the team and. And uh, if we think if we do those three things, it's going to get us a long way down the road to to building a team. Doctor, let me ask you this: uh, you, you talked a lot about you, know, you, you demand a lot, you know, from your kids, you know, to sacrifice for the good of a team, and that kids are also going to stumble. Right? You know, but that said, uh, I mean, any coach, you know, has to walk that line between ability and what are they going to do best for the program? How? How do you recruit these kids? You know, is it uh, do you kind of track them on a computer? You know, what 
talk to us about how you recruit you know for you meet judging team well that's a good that's a really good question we uh we do follow them we uh we try to help them when they're in high school and when they're in junior high back in middle school gotcha we uh, try to get to know them we try to get to know uh the ag teachers and the county agents and the schools and that's not only here in texas but in oklahoma and all across the nation and i think you know we also host some judging camps so we have kids that come in from usually uh eight to ten states um and they come here and work with our our kids we send out letters send out a lot of letters to kids who participate in the national 4-h program and and uh, we really just try to build personal one-on-one relationships with uh, people and their families and their parents. Our best recruiter mm-hmm. is a grandmother, a grandfather, a mom and dad, an aunt, an uncle, or any friend that sees the success of one of our kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they uh, they just go back home and they go, wow, that's the place you want to send your kid. And so that's why it you know, takes a lot of years to be able to get that and I would say our best recruiter are the kids. That's awesome. They do more recruiting than anything that we can do. And what we try to do is we try to have a family. Um, every kid's, every student is important. Um, to tell you the honest truth, when we stopped worrying about winnings, when we started doing the best. Yeah. Um, I think if we take care of the three things we talked about and we we make sure that everybody on the team is valuable – like there's no hierarchy or pecking order, even though we may have kids that are better than the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really about life skills. Right. And so we really use meek judging to uh, hopefully train up young people that can go out and be a change agent. Yeah. I mean, we really believe that they're going to go out and they're going to have a chance to impact a lot of other people's lives. Yep. So we may have a kid like this year, we have 20 kids on our team. Wow. And... All 20 of them need to be coached just as good as the first person that's going to win us a contest. Because when they get out in the real world, in real life, uh, whether you can grate a beef carcass or judge it doesn't really equate to how you may impact the world. That's awesome. And so we really hope that we can instill in these guys the ability to go in, to be able to compete, to have a heart of a champion, to not settle for second, to be the best they can be. And if they take care of that, then the winning will take care of itself. Well, I tell you, one of the things that I've learned about and just kind of learning more about the program is the attention to detail that you do with the program when you are preparing your students to compete. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard a little bit about the hour drive that you take on Fridays there and, and to different, uh, to different, uh, I guess, facility and, and back. Walk us through about those preparations and, and how those go about to, to prepare those students. So uh, everything's an extracurricular activity, and these students only have one year of eligibility. So meat judging is governed by the American Meat Science Association, and you really have one calendar year of eligibility. So you start in January and you're finished in November. Wow that's, wow. that's interesting right there. And so it's all, it's all one shot. And, uh, I really like that because uh, you can sell out, you know? And, um, so our kids, uh, in a typical week, will practice pretty much every day. We'll have something around the campus for them to do. And they'll drop by in between classes and do that. And then we'll get together and talk about it usually in the evenings after five or six o'clock. And then on Friday at one o'clock, we usually load up and go to Friona, and uh, that's where Cargill has a facility where they harvest and process beef. They do about 5,000 beef animals a day there. Wow, okay. 
and uh, they're really nice to us. They are kind of our home away from home and uh, take good care of us. And so the kids will stay there and we usually get home about 9.30 or 10 o'clock on Friday night. And then we uh, turn around and come back up to the meat lab on Saturday morning at, and start practice at 4 a.m. <laughs> and uh, the reason we do that is because our competitions usually start by about 5 a.m. And so we need to be able to f- be functional and ready to go with the sharpest mind we can by you know, 6 a.m., so that's why we start those practices on Saturday um, early. Not because we all just think that's what we want to do, but it is a great thing to do. Uh, you know, the stars and the moon are a pretty great thing at about 3 o'clock in the morning, so it's <laughs> kind of good. We just got back from a contest where we got second, and uh, uh, we we lost to one of my former students. He coached with me in 09 here at Tech, and we won the national championship, and and he was on my 06 team and just love him to death. He's my son, pretty much. And, and uh, you know, we we got second. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of growing to do. And our kids learned a lot about it. But on that trip, we had to pra- practice at a plant uh, there in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. And, and uh, it was great because they wanted us there at 4 o'clock. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we got up at 2.50 and headed over to the plant and good gracious you know that's just kind of the way this industry runs it's pretty much uh you you just get it done right yeah right and so those are kind of where where our practices go on a, on a road trip like we're going to leave on monday next week and we'll be gone all week and we'll be out there practicing uh 12 14 hours a day and driving around to omaha nebraska and sioux city iowa and and uh over to lincoln nebraska we'll practice at university of lincoln at their meat lab at the University of Nebraska next Saturday. Um, I'll use a sports analogy for a second. Um, that the, the success of the tech sports in the spring, you know, there's a lot of chatter that, well, maybe that bleeds over into student enrollment. I don't know. Maybe that bleeds over into, um, you know, what have you. This might kind of bleed over to my recruiting question earlier, but, but, you said you sent out letters, you know, you, you talk to people and so on. You, you do relationships. Um, do y'all benefit at all like from – do y'all support each other, I guess is what I'm trying to ask you, like at Tech. Or do, do you have a – does the staff, you know, invest in you guys, you know, just as much as – as anything? I don't know if that question is making sense, but – No, it does, so – I'd like to think that – Tech's riding pretty high right now, don't you think? Yeah, no doubt. We're so proud of our track team, basketball, baseball, all of our teams, you know, volleyball, tennis, soccer, all of those, all of our teams are pretty much in the top 20 in every category across the board. And we we really do relate to that because this is a sport and it's highly competitive. I'm telling you, there's no love lost. Uh, you know, Travis O'Quinn's over at K-State, and we're going to go probably not. We're going to knock him off next weekend, you know. <laughs> All right. He'll be mad at us again. And Yeah. Uh, doc, <laughs> Dr. Mayfee at Oklahoma State, She's uh, she, she was on our 92 team, and she won the national championship last year. And so it's a, it's a very competitive, you know, very intense uh, rivalry. And uh, so – Actually, we coach and we do everything like athletics. Uh, we require our kids to make good grades. We have a GPA. They can't travel if they're not making at least a C or a D in every That's class. Awesome. If they have a two five, you know they can travel. 
And so we expect them to attend class. Um, and, uh, you know, more than that, we have, I mean, it's just important that they reflect uh, their honor and integrity in everything they do. And, uh, you know, we struggle with that because we get out there and we have some kids tell a bad joke or whatever, and sometimes we hear about it. And it's a, it's a great opportunity to have our athletic programs do such a great job of setting a good, a great example. I just love. Uh, I think we have great student athletes, and uh, I feel like that our judging kids are the same way. And in our department, that synergy really is true. From our so we have a livestock judging team, a wool judging team, mm-hmm. a meat judging team, a horse judging team, and a meat animal eval team in our department. And so far this year, we won the national championship and. Meat Science Quiz Bowl, and Meat Animal Evaluation. Oh, wow. So it's very important that we have a contiguous, a very a very con- content, good continuity between all the coaches and our judging program mm-hmm. because if any one of us are not doing the right thing, it reflects on all of us. So, yeah, we benefit a lot by a whole university family and also especially in our departmental family uh, when our – no matter which team's competing, if they do well, we all do well. Amen. Right. Amen. You had alluded earlier, Dr. Miller, to the fact that you have, what did you say, about 20 students in in your group? Is that right on your team? Yeah, on this team, we oh. uh, have 20 uh, students that are able to compete, and then we have three coaches. Every year we have at least uh, two graduate students that help coach the team. So there's three of us. And we all three uh, coach and, and do the team this year. And it's sort of like football, where we have a offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach, and so we all work together to try to put it all together. Because with twenty kids, you can't do it with one person. Right. And uh, we need to add a coach for about every seven kids. And uh, it's a great dynamic because everybody learns how to get along. Uh, it's hard to be around people as many hours as they are and still be able to function well as a team. And uh, so those are some of the great things that kids get out of this program is, you know, critical thinking skills, decision-making skills, and teamwork. I mean, at the end of the day, we're only as good as our last-place individual. And uh, to tell you the truth, uh, we're we're terrible at picking the team. And so we got to have 20 for 20 do really well. That's what I was hoping to kind of uh, draw forward. I I did read something. So all 20 people, when you're doing these championship uh, tournaments – they are all not part of that team. It's kind of like a, a group of starters that you have, correct, in a way. Um, walk us through that. It is. So all 20 get to go in and judge and compete. But we as coaches have to designate four out of that 20 that are going to count for our score as a team. And so when we pick the wrong individuals, um, we don't do well. And that that's pretty much what happened happens at every contest is we've we've won the contest when we don't win we usually lose because we picked the wrong kids and uh that's very easy to do because you know predicting uh 18 and 19 year olds sometimes about like predicting the way cats run and (laughs) it's not a very accurate science (laughs) that's a perfect illustration (laughs) well it really is and you know that's what's great about it uh we have a we work a lot on our mental approach um, you know, our mental toughness, our ability to, to stand there underneath the pressure, uh, those are the important things because uh, when you walk in there, uh, there's lots of pressure on you. And, um, you know, these kids have, so they're in a great program and 
I can promise you every time we don't win, uh, I get a lot of communications on why we didn't win. I'm wow. sure. And um, in this industry, it is a big, it's a big deal. And so the people that are at Kansas State, you know, they're letting all the Red Raiders know when they beat us <laughs> and uh, vice versa. And so the kids have to be able to handle the pressure. And so we talk about that. We do a lot of, a lot of work on that. We watch a lot of movies and uh, do a lot of references to, you know, uh, things that are really how do you stand there and how do you handle the pressure and what do you do. And we use, use a lot of things from uh, – various coaches in athletic uh, events to be able to, to talk about that and get these kids at age 19 to really just be able to stand there and, and uh, impeccably know that they have it right. Man. Well, tell me this, Dr. Miller, because I'm enjoying learning about your program. But what I'm curious about, and I'm just kind of hearing some of the choice words you're saying, um, you, you – you follow the Lord, don't you? Yeah, God drives the bus. Amen. I mean, it, um, He has to because uh, if I do, if I do this thing, it's a big mess, and uh, so we uh, we have Him to lead everything. And you know, we don't we don't ever uh, talk about not, not everybody has to believe the way we do or anything. But at the end of the day, um, you know, there's some great examples of you know how you can stand there in the pressure. And uh, how there's people who have been able to do that. Uh, story of David and Goliath, kind yeah. of fun, and and a lot of those they they really have a lot of meaning when you're sitting there in the pressure, and you know you can see it. And and one of the reasons why we practice so hard is confidence comes from having a laser focus, from having a ability to have been able to have success. Mm-hmm. And if you practice a lot and you have confidence that you know what you're doing, then all of a sudden you become more confident. And uh, in that story with David and Goliath, you know, uh, David said, I'm going to cut your head off. He was pretty cocky, you know, and I always liked the fact that he talked trash to the giant. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. it wasn't that he was confident or cocky, but he was he was absolutely just stating the truth that he'd already killed a lion and a bear, and he knew that God would deliver him in this situation. And I think that's the kind of mental toughness and grinded out type attitude you got to have in life. You know, you got to just know. And you got to have belief, and you got to have trust. And there's three things that build an awesome team that can't be beat, and that's trust, commitment, and love. Amen, man. And if you trust each other, you trust your coach, you trust yourself, you believe in everything that you're doing. If you're committed, committed to excellence, committed to each other, you know you're willing to lay down on the railroad tracks and die for your teammate. Uh, that love will carry you a long way, and that's that works in anything. It doesn't matter if it's a company, your job, your marriage. Anything you do, those three things will build a team. You can build a family around that. And uh, there's no marriage that will ever fail if it has that trust, commitment, and love philosophy buried right in the middle of you it. You know, that's a good point because uh, I was uh, – right now I'm a, I'm a pastor. I preach over here in East Texas. But for years, when I left Tech, I started out you know, as a football coach and you know, I was a teacher for 11 years. Um, and, and the story I always tried to remember, you talk about love. Um, the Apostle Peter, when he let down Jesus, uh, you would think that would be it. But Christ comes and restores them, right, in John 21. And you would think 
Dr. Miller, that if the Savior, the Lord of heaven and earth, right, restores you, that you'd never doubt him again. But by Acts 10, uh, Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord um, visited Peter in a dream and told Peter to eat red meat. And Peter said, no. He said, I'm not going to eat red meat. And if we believe the Trinity, then we believe that it was Jesus that came to speak to Peter. And the point is, doctor, that Peter had to grow. And as a coach, right, and as a teacher, and now as a preacher, I, I'm sure you can, you know, appreciate the idea that your kids, your your, your students, you know, your people you work with, you got to give them room to fail, right? And the only bridge that you can build between failure and success is built by love. Is that if you don't love your kids, they're not going to go anywhere. You, you got to give them room to grow. No, that's a, that's dead on. That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot. I tell a team, I said, hey, you know, I guarantee you that as a team, you're not going to like each other all the time. Hey, man. And I said, I'll bet you if you go ask your mom and dad or your grandma and grandpa, if uh, they like each other all the time, <laughs> they would tell you, no, there's probably some times I don't like your dad very much or your mom very much. <laughs> True. You probably don't like your brothers and sisters, you know. Right. Right. But the one thing, the one thing that never fails is love, because love's unconditional. And so that's what I tell our kids, and I just they have to believe it. They have to buy into that, because you can love your teammates all the time, because love's not conditional. It doesn't mean they have to change. It doesn't mean they have to do the right thing. It means you accept them right where they're at, and you also love them right where they're at, and you hold them accountable. There's got to be a high degree of accountability, and you can't have that without love. Because accountability calls you out whenever you're wrong. It loves you when you're wrong anyway, and it also, you know, loves you when you're right. Amen. And so it's not one of those things where you got to like everybody. You know, I don't I don't expect our kids to be able to go out and eat dinner and go on their vacations together. <laughs> but I do expect them to love one another. Because if we do that, then you're going to lay yourself down. You're going to sacrifice what you need for your teammates' needs. Like Liking people never does that, but love always does. And that, that's where you see these great performances that happen in athletic events is when you can see that those kids all just, man, they got a bond and they feel tight with each other. They're, they're just invincible. Yeah, yeah. We are having such a great time visiting with Dr. Mark Miller of the Texas Tech Meat Judging Team, and we have a lot of questions left to ask about him and the program. So we're actually going to split this episode into two episodes, part one ending right now, and we will rejoin Dr. Miller in part two coming up in the next episode. Stay tuned. Reckham Tech. Thanks for listening to the Guns Up Nation podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the fan page administrators, podcast hosts, and fans, and do not reflect the opinions of Texas Tech University or its affiliates. We are proud to support Texas Tech, its students, alumni, and fans.